Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. It's easy to get started. Visit westernsouthern.com. Now batting, number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Jim Day Podcast. Hey, 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 here we are again. It is the Jim Day Podcast, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, clicking on us, whatever you do to get here, wherever you are. Thanks for hanging out. And look who we got here today. Who's that? That would be Dave Yiddy Armbruster. You've heard the name. Of course, you hear him on the pre- and post-game shows on the Reds Radio Network. But for years, the engineer for Marty and Jill. How many, when did you start? Uh, I did two games in 1985 as a fill-in, and then wow. I took over full-time in 1986. Wow. So a long time ago. So you were uh, you know, part of the height of Marty and Joe. I mean, that was right in the wheelhouse. I mean, um, wow. What was it like as a Cincinnati kid all of a sudden being in there with Marty and Joe, who had well established themselves by then? Uh, surreal. I mean, it was just crazy, actually, because yeah. you walk in there and you're, you know, I'm a kid. Yeah. You're scared to death, for one thing. <laughs> and he he does it on purpose, but Marty can make you scared to death. You think? <laughs> it was fun. You get used to it You're uh, after a while, but it, it it's... It really was. As being grown up in Cincinnati, it was uh, yeah. really strange and really cool to be able to do that. Oh, no doubt about that. I mean, I was, I was still locked into the games every single night, and then, you know, I'd hear, "Hey, Yid," it'd be, "Hey, Yid, Yid, this, Yid, that." I'm like, "Who's Yid, man? This guy's got the greatest gig on earth." And I never forget <laughs> that. Even now, I never forget how how cool this job is yeah. i mean there are times where everybody's job you're like holy cow this is terrible but you know knock on wood this is the job i have i don't have to go to an office every day and wear a suit and that kind of stuff you know i've never asked you this question where, where did yid come from what's what's that nickname my brother couldn't say david and it <laughs> really? and it came out yid when we were little kids so i've had it ever since wow and uh, I've been asked about it a few times. So it's not like SEG, which no, story We may not want to go into no, that. We probably shouldn't go into that one. Something <laughs> about his grin. Yes. Uh, S-E grin. You can yeah. figure that out. That was from Trumpy, right? Thanks to Bob Trumpy. Correct. <laughs> and SEG has, still has that grin. Uh, he does. <laughs> um we're going to get all into these Marty and Joe stories, if you'll let us. Uh, I do have to ask you, just so I don't forget, about today, because it's been quite the transition from Marty to now Tommy and Cowboy. So how is it different? How's your world different? It's a different, but it's still good. It's not like it's bad. It's not like yeah. they hired somebody uh, that you don't like to work with, and because that's happened and. Other broadcast booths. Oh, there's you, no doubt. You about can't it. stand the guy. Yeah. And and that's not the case here. Tommy and I get along great. I knew him when he was in Pensacola and and him and Jeff get along great. So it, it's yeah. it's really been a smooth transition. It's it's just different, you know. It's yeah. not good or bad, it's just different. Yeah. Well you don't have to wear uh verbal body armor 
as much with Tommy. In fact, he's, he kind of takes a lot of it now, as opposed to Marty just dishing it out all the time. And Well, I'm sure we'll get into those conversations that we all had at dinner with Marty. <laughs> well, let's go right there. Okay, let's go there. <laughs> because when he retired, or you know, when he was on that tour, which he didn't want to do, but it was uh, the Marty retirement tour, he said the biggest thing I'm going to miss is, one, the people, but it's sitting around the dinner table in the media dining room because it would be a big group, and it was it really was the highlight of the day. Every day. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a big cafeteria here. Yeah. You go through a line just with a tray and get your food. Now it's boxes because of COVID, but yeah. you go through with your tray, you get all your food, and then you go sit down at a table, and usually there was like eight of us. Yeah. You know, it'd be Marty and Jeff some of the time, Chris Welsh, you, uh, you name it. There's this other, Sam LeCure, whoever's around right. would sit down. And then you'd settle in, and Marty would start. Yes. And he would pick somebody to start on. And you were the butt of a lot of those nights. Yeah. So was Chris Welsh. Yeah. He was... It, yeah, me and Welsh used to share that moniker a lot. And when he would start getting on Chris, I'd be like, wow, I got a night off. Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm just going to sit over here and be quiet. In fact, I'd try not to even laugh at things he would say because if he laughs, then he would say, well, well you know. You know like, well, I don't, think any, any, I don't think anybody got it the way Steve Stewart got oh, it. You're right, the bad boy. <laughs> He'd get it every night, but one night in particular when he was walking through the line and he took a step and dropped his tray for a food, <laughs> yes. and it was everywhere. And Marty let everybody know in the whole place, maybe in the whole stadium, who dropped that. With his famous line, what do you do for an encore? We won't finish that sentence. Go number two in your pants is, <laughs> is what he says. <laughs> I'll finish it clean. There's He uses other words. <laughs> And poor Steve, I felt bad for him. <laughs> yeah, because oh. he beat up on him bad. But those are the those were the best. And that goes back to Riverfront. We did that even then. Sit around at dinner. Yeah. And, and Marty held court, and it really was the best time of the day. Yeah. Always was. Well, this reminds me, Steve Stewart. He used to take it bad, and we would go golfing on the road a lot. Uh, which was a privilege, and that was really when it would he would let it fly too. But Marty is a speed golfer. Yes, he's not a great golfer. He's improved, but he, if you don't golf fast, he doesn't care how bad you are. Right, just golf fast. Well, Steve Stewart went with us one day, and the poor guy. I mean, Steve was not you know he was not playing well. And he's not playing fast enough for Marty. <laughs> no, you ha you do have to play fast. I can <laughs> yeah. confirm that. Yeah, so he is wearing him out. Let's go! Let's go! So it got to the point where Steve Stewart would get out of his cart and was running to his ball. He would run to and from the cart to his ball. <laughs> and the whole, like the whole back nine, he's just running. And I felt so bad, and Marty just kept lightning him. <laughs> I've never seen anyone run to their ball every shot. He must have been exhausted by the time <laughs> he was completely was exhausted. Well, that reminds me of Steve Stewart in Sarasota in spring training. Now, the one thing that you have, you know this about Marty, 
Marty is the most on-time human being that's ever Unbelievable. existed. Unbelievable. You, you might some people might think, ah, oh, it's otherwise. You really don't no. care. No, the most punctual ever. Yeah, the and that clock is important to him. Yeah. And so we're playing a night game in I want to say Lakeland against the Tigers, and this is when like Steve's first or second year, and Joe was Joe was still there, but he was only doing a few games kind of thing. And I show up at the stadium uh, always early. Believe me. Marty's there. Joe and Rick Stowe are sitting on a table. I think it was Rick sitting on a table just BSing. And Marty's looking at his watch. Say we had say we were leaving at 2:45 for this night game. Well, it was 2:30 and Steve wasn't there yet. Then it was 2:40 and Steve wasn't there yet. Then it was 2:45 and Steve wasn't there yet. And then all of a sudden he's late by a few minutes. Marty is steaming. <laughs> Here comes, and I believe he called him or texted him at that point. All of a sudden, here comes Steve being driven down the street, pulls into Ed Smith Stadium, opens the door before the car stops, (laughs) and essentially falls out of the car. And Marty doesn't say a word. It's he's quiet. We get in that car. And we drive to Lakeland from Sarasota. You know, it's hour and a half. That's probably. a long ride. It's a long ride. Marty doesn't say one word. And that's never happened. He's silent. <laughs> we and I, Steve knows he's in trouble. We get to the stadium. I go upstairs and set my stuff up. And then he pulls Steve aside. And he told me this afterwards. I knew it was happening. And just ripped him. I have never been late in my life. I am not going to be late this time. You, if that ever happens again, and poor Steve just took the. Oh, and as you know, the best thing you can do is, is just take it. Is just take it. Because if you try to rifle back, oh no, there's no. You do not want to get in a verbal barrage with a word master and a, no. a guy that will just. He'll eat you alive. You just got to take it. You have to take it. And we've all been there, but you yeah. have to take it. You just you just take it. You just take it. What was it like? Um, gosh, Steve Stewart. <laughs> right I know. Steve Stewart. And by the way, a great guy. Oh, I Steve love Steve. Stewart. A tremendous See him every spring being. training. Yeah, he's great. See him all, he's with the Kansas City Royals now. Uh, just a great human being. So we do miss you, the bad boy. Uh, what by was the a- way, the bad boy, you know where he got that name? It was for our, our production director, Scott Stanley at WLW. He was trying to do promos, and he was thinking, I mean, we got to, how we promote this guy? So he just came up with the bad boy. Really? That's all That's wow. all it was. Just out of thin air. He started calling him the bad boy Steve Stewart, and that's how it all came about. It was about. kind of opposite of what he is. That's exactly what he did, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. The dynamic between Marty Brenneman, Joe Nuxall. Marty on the edge, Joe known as the nicest human being on earth. Although Joe had his moments, and I know oh, yeah. you, he had his moments, and I know you saw that temper as well that most people didn't know. But the perception is is nicest human being on the planet. Joe Nuxall is Cincinnati. You've heard it a thousand times. But that dynamic between the two, what was it like? It was great because it worked. Yeah, because in a lot of ways, you know, there, Marty's not afraid of anyone. But I think he was a little afraid of Joe. Really? Just, just, just. Well, he was not, not. Uh, that maybe that's a bad word. Not afraid. Maybe he was. 
very respectful. So he's yeah. not going to go off on Joe like right. he would go off on you. Yeah. And 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 Joe is the he was the last person ever to really criticize a player. And so I think that might have, you know, and Marty will go the other way, of course. Right. So, and I think that was a good yin and yang there. It kind of kept yeah. them, both of them, tempered a little bit. Right. I used to love listening to their games uh, because Marty, you know, you're going to get, I don't want to say a lot of talking because he let it breathe too, but you're going to get the talking, you're going to get the humor, you're going to get that. And then when Joe's innings, you're going to get just the nuts and bolts and you're going to get a lot of the ambient sound, a lot of stadium. And I used to love that, especially with back in the day when they, you know, actually play an organ and you should just hear stadium sounds and not necessarily walk-up music. I used to love that. I used to love that. Yeah, it's interesting. I will tell you this, though. Joe would have some pregnant pauses, as we call them. Some long ones. Long ones. And this this truly did happen. I'm not making this up. At the radio station, we have a thing on the, on, on the transmitter and everything. It's called a silence alarm. So if you're off the air, it triggers this so the engineers know we're off the air. Joe, it happened many times where Joe wouldn't, he would go 15, 20 seconds without saying a word, and that silence alarm would go off. <laughs> well, he would go a minute sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> he would go a minute. Oh, uh, Joe now with the pace of play today, oh boy. There'd be a there'd be a lot of Ooh. there'd be a lot of pauses. He might have actually got a little angry with uh, some of these pitchers how slow they are. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's no question about that. You know. Yeah. There was um, when I first started working for Fox Ohio in 2000. You know, Joe was uh, up in age, and I mean, the first time that he ever remembered my name. I've said this before on this podcast. I was like. Joe Nuxall remembers my name. Oh, my gosh. Joe Nuxall just said my name, and I didn't have to say, hey, I'm... Um, but he was he was up in age. He was at the the back end of his career and had a tendency to fall asleep a few times. Well, that would happen. <laughs> and Marty... Uh, he wouldn't say anything on the air, but you would look over at the booth, and he'd be, like, pointing at Joe, like, look, look, he's asleep. He's asleep. Which in turn, or, Marty yeah, would fall around, asleep. Comes around. <laughs> exactly, yeah. that's where I'm going. <laughs> so you saw kind of the back end of both careers. Yeah, and it was, but it was a great dynamic. They yeah. got along so well. They were such good friends. Yeah. Um, you know, at the road here, and and they killed each other. I mean, Marty would kill Joe, and we we'll get into that when we talk about spring training. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. But it was all good natured fun. They were yeah. really good friends, and and. You know, that's, again, that's not normally, the, or that's not always the case with broadcasters. There's a lot of guys who just don't like each other. Oh, I see it all the time. Yeah. I see it all the time, particularly on the TV side, where you just kind of like each other, force it on the air and off the air, and you really like each other. Right. But uh, that's the one good thing that we've had around here. I'm not sure there's anyone that's come through that we really just dislike in the group, whether it be radio or TV. Which is really important because we spend so much time together. I mean, yeah. we're just we're together every day for six, seven months. So let's get into spring training <laughs> because right. everyone enjoyed Marty and Joe. You got what you got on the radio each and every game, and that was the essence of Marty and Joe. But the second part of the essence of Marty and Joe for me is spring training 
van rides in Florida because they were longer rides, and Joe had his van down there, right? Yes, and you did. guys would go to the games in his van, would you not? And what were those moments like? Well, th- that's why, just to backtrack a second, I like Arizona. I love Arizona because every, the first reason is, oh, you'll love it because the road trips are shorter. Yeah. Not me. I <laughs> love the long road trips. I, that was for me. Now, you know, you, you don't really want to go three hours every day. Yeah. But I think the shortest road trip in Florida was, especially when we were in Sarasota, a little closer when we were in Plant City. Bradenton, maybe, right? Yeah, Bradenton was a half hour, though. Yeah. You know, now that's about the longest. Right. I mean, you would go across the state, and it would take forever. But those were great. And Joe, he did. He had a big conversion van. I loved that van. Um, and he he would drive. I would sit shotgun, and Marty would sit in the back with his newspapers. And he'd have a stack, you know, his USA Today's and oh, yeah. whatever, New York Post and everything. Yeah. And I'll preface this by saying Joe drove until gas got to a dollar seventy nine. Then he made me drive. <laughs> what? That's true. Why? He didn't want to pay for it. <laughs> gas talk got too high. Then I started driving. <laughs> so you had to pay for it? Did you expense it? I owe? of course I expensed okay, it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I think that's why he wanted me to because well, I could expense it. Dollar wow, seventy nine. I wish it was a dollar seventy nine now. Goodness. I'm almost wishing it was two seventy nine now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'd get in these van, and we'd you know, a one o'clock game in say, I don't know what did, Lakeland. We're in Sarasota, so you'd leave. I mean, you'd have to leave really by nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, absolutely, eight thirty nine o'clock because there's a lot of traffic. Yeah, on I four. On I four, and we'd get in that van, and you know, most of the times Marty's loaded for bear already he would have something to comment so you know you would just talk with the news of the day what's going on with their team blah 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 you know and they have opinions of that of course yeah who's playing and then it would just branch off to whatever else i mean would if if you be you have to be careful what you say because marty will take it and kill you on it yes. so don't misspeak and on he remembers anything members everything everything <laughs> to this day those are just my best times because I would just I would laugh the whole way we're in the car for three hours, whatever it was. I would absolutely die. And there was a time we'd go across state to Port St. Lucie and at one point Vero Beach. And there's a place in the middle of Florida, just in the middle of nowhere called Yeehaw Junction. <laughs> and I had a, I bought like a keychain for one of those little stores there, you know, where yeah. they sell the pecan rolls. Where the hell is Yeehaw Junction? Sometimes I still, someplace I still have that. But we'd we'd drive there, and it was just funny. And it was one of those things we'd get out and go there and pump gas. And 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 the one time, on the way back, we stopped, and I was pumping the gas, and those two went in, and Joe wanted to get some beer for when he got home, and he got carded. <laughs> and at that point, he's. 75 years old and he was carted and marty lost it he it was the funniest thing he's ever heard <laughs> he got carted uh, or, now there's this legend i don't want to say legend but perception that joe would have budweiser's during the game nope that did not happen correct that did not happen yeah because now you know as years goes on Years go by, the folklore is, oh, yeah, Joe, a regular guy, went up there and drink Budweiser's during the game. Those were the days. No, nah, that, that never happened. Never happened. No, and that was especially, I mean, there was, 
a couple times it should have. We went to let some of these late games, these late <laughs> inning, extra inning games. But yeah. now he never did. Yeah, you know, they would. I, I think maybe after the start of the game, they had a couple pops. Well, that's a, the, some of the great stories of some of these players. Uh, Tom Browning, for one, told a story on this podcast actually, where he would do the star of the game, and depending on the player, he would have a couple Budweisers yeah. waiting for him. Which I just think is great. As I was born in the wrong era, I would love to meet a guy post game celebration interview with a beer. I mean, it's more Americana than that. Uh, I just thought that's great. But, well, you know, he you know did... there was a time they had beer in the press box, too. Yes. <laughs> at Riverfront. When I first covered a game at the uh, for the Reds way back in the day, um, they're like, they just tapped the beer. Like, what? Yeah, there's beer over there. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's probably good that beer's not there anymore. It's, yes, it's a good thing that beer is no longer available in the press box. Um, but... Oh man! Well, wait, me, here's one of the stories with Joe on the on the spring training yeah. when him driving. This to this day is one of my favorite. Marty, I believe, was off doing basketball because if you remember, at one point he would leave spring training and go do some NCAA tournament right. games. He he did you know the regionals and then he'd do one mm-hmm. of the final fours and then come home. Right. So it was one game. It was just Joe and I, and we're driving across the state again. And I don't know if you've ever been. You have, but. Ever been on I four? It's it's a miserable road in Florida. Yeah, and it's just it's under construction. There's too much traffic. It was like construction for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I think for, it's gotten better nowadays, but it was brutal then. We're in Joe's van, and we're tooling down the highway going east, and all of a sudden, this dude in a convertible with his girlfriend cuts Joe off. That was a mistake. That was a bad mistake. <laughs> Because he cuts him off, then and keeps going. Well, Joe catches him. He's he might be, he probably going eighty. I don't know. Joe winds down his window, and he's yelling at this guy, "Pull over, you!" And I won't say what he said <laughs> because I'm going to kick your. And and he was serious. That was Joe's temper. Oh yeah, when he did have it, when he'd lose it, he would lose it. Yeah. And the best part about that is. Because it was a convertible, this guy's girlfriend was sitting in the seat, and she just shrunk down. And just, she's like, "I can't believe this is happening." <laughs> I I laughed the rest of it, and I had to act like I wasn't laughing. You know, this is serious, but I started cracking up. Yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Noxall was human. He did cuss from time to time, and did have a temper. He did get mad, actually. So uh, there was a heartbeat in there for sure. What about didn't he lock in, you guys lock yourselves in a stadium or something? He couldn't get out. Were you there for? Oh yeah, I was there. <laughs> this goes back to the strike year of '94, right? So we're not playing, but when did that season? In like middle of July, I forget when it ended. Yeah. But but the station needs some revenue. You know, we have to make some of this money up. So when did minor league games right so we decided to do some minor league games yeah. you know we like every weekend we go do two games so probably going to indy and and i'm setting all this up so i'm looking at the schedule and said hmm they're playing in birmingham and michael jordan is on the birmingham barons that was the year he was playing yeah. baseball great so i get it set up and we fly in the birmingham and 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 you know, go to hotel, whatever. There's two games. So 
we go to the stadium and the manager of Birmingham is Terry Francona, who they knew because he played who here, they right? Who they knew, and Marty and he's loves. he's a great guy. Yeah. So we go in his office and just BS with him forever. It was, it was great. It was really fun. And, you know, and he's telling stories about Michael and the, the bus he bought, you know, for the players and all that stuff. So they play on Saturday. And and Joe actually got the call of Michael Jordan home run. He probably only hit three. Yeah. And Joe called one of them. Someplace I have that I just don't know where. Um, so that was cool. And then uh, on, uh, more on that, the next day, Joe interviews him. I don't think we did a star of the game. I think we did whatever. But the next day, he inter- interviews him in the in the clubhouse, which was cool. So I went down there with him. And if I'm not mistaken, he gave – Michael Jordan, a free ham, like the honey bake ham you always give out. <laughs> gift card that you give out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. It was. It I was... would love to have seen the. Uh, uh, Michael was probably nice about it, but afterwards, like, honey baked ham. <laughs> well, Michael and Tito were tight, so. Yeah, Michael. You know, he was cool with Joe. Probably gave it to yeah. Tito. Yeah, you might have the honey baked ham. So, Tito probably devoured. <laughs> so that's a Saturday. We play that game Sunday morning, and 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 I didn't know this until Joe told us. When Joe made his debut as a fifteen-year-old, the next day. Now keep this in mind: he's fifteen years old. The next day, they put him on a train by himself and sending the Birmingham. To play baseball, minor league baseball. Wow! Can you imagine putting your fifteen-year-old no. son on a on a train? No. Bye. So he's he so he he played down there, and the stadium he played in was called Ricketts Field, and it was still there. In fact, they had redone. I don't think they were playing there at the time, but they they redid the stadium for a Tommy Lee Jones movie uh, about Ty Cobb. Yeah. So they had redone this whole studio uh, stadium. So we go there on the Sunday morning. It was Marty, Joe, myself, and I, and I want to think there was two guys from Channel Five here in town. Uh, Jeff Hirsch, I believe, was one of them. I can't remember for sure. And somehow we get in, and to this day I don't know how we got in, but we did. So we're in the stadium and we're looking around. Oh yeah, this is. I remember this. There's the dugouts, the field. We walk around. You're there a half hour, just kind of reminiscing. Right. It was kind of cool. It comes time to leave, and this is a Sunday morning, and it's not the best part of town, I might add. So we can't figure out how to get out. However we got in, we couldn't get out that way. There's no way to get out of this place. So we go to the main entrance, and it was, and I know you've seen them before, these big green wrought iron accordion doors. Yeah. big, And they're it's six or eight foot high. So we're... It's closed. That's that's the only way we can get out. We can't get. There's no other way out of this. You know, I'm 30 years old. I have no problem. I'm up over Marty. No problem. He's up over the fence. We're standing there waiting for Joe. Joe climbs this fence. He gets one leg over. Now remember, cording indoors, kind of pointing yeah. at the top. He gets one leg over. He gets a cramp. <laughs> he can't move. So he's straddling this fence. This. <laughs> One leg on one side, one leg on the other. He can't get off, and he's uh, this went on a good minute where he's stuck up there. And, and I'm sure there was a little panic <laughs> in oh, no there doubt. too. Like, how am I going to get down? 
Marty looks at me because we're standing by the car. He says, if the cops come, we're leaving. (laughs) (laughs) He would have left, too. He would have left. (laughs) But Joe finally got over, and uh, we were were on our way. But that's the second time that happened, not with Joe. That happened once with Sag Denison in – in Sarasota at Ed Smith Stadium. He did his racing report show on Sunday nights. Yeah. So I went up and engineered. We were in the booth. I went up and engineered with him. And and Kent Weaver, our buddy Dream, was there. And he was just, we were just sitting there because we were going to go out afterward. And we get done, and we got locked in at Smith Stadium. <laughs> it, it, we, again, we had to climb a fence. <laughs> I got over, no problem. Dream got over, no problem. Seg got the same the same exact thing. He got stuck halfway on, halfway off this fence. And I said, Seg, it's just like climbing a tree when you were a kid. I didn't climb trees as a kid. <laughs> and he finally gets over. So we have to call Andy Furman, who was doing sports talk, to pick us up because our cars are locked in. We can't get out. So he's driving down the street honking his horn going, police, police, intruders, intruders. <laughs> But we finally got uh, out, and that was. I so. would have loved to see Sag do that. You only just had, you snap your fingers and have video stuff like that. I well, that was before camera phones, or believe me, I would have. Yeah, or there'd be some security footage that would they would have that now. Ed Smith Stadium, or should we say, tired old oh, Ed Smith Stadium? Not anymore. Looks pretty good. No, it looks time. good now. Once the Reds left there, the Orioles came in. They renovated that bad boy. It's no longer tired old. Ed Smith Stadium, which I used to love. <laughs> every time on the air. Every time. <laughs> that interesting thing about that stadium is every time you open that door, the wind blew so hard that everything blew off the table. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that reminded me. One of the things Marty used to do at Riverfront, I don't know why he started this, but he did it every night because he would always drink iced tea, right? So he'd have iced tea in a paper cup. When the game was over and there was nobody else there but us, he would be cleaning up and he'd take his half full cup of iced tea and drop it every game down down to the next level and watch it splash on the sidewalk. What? Why would every he do, time. Why would he do that? Just, I, mean, I don't know. I think because the first time he did it, I laughed. So he just kept doing it. Oh, my. <laughs> I'd like to find some of the guys that had to clean that up every day. I bet you they weren't real happy there. Here we go again. Same, same spot. There's the same spot. This this fan, who's the fan that likes iced tea that doesn't finish and spills it? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Marty's style, which is obviously extremely unique and is now gone. Right. Once he retired, forget about it. Everyone's like, you need to be more critical. Those days are over, folks. Yeah, it's, the, it's done. Those are done. Um, was there ever a time when he's getting on a player or a general manager where you actually cringed? You're like, oh, wow, that is that is harsh. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. I can't name you a specific time, but I do remember doing that. Just going, oh, man, you want to <laughs> – I don't know if I'd go there. But... Yeah. He would go there. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have conversations with? Because you guys were dear friends. Did you ever, or is that one thing that you just 
you didn't critique them. You didn't say maybe you shouldn't do this or do that because you're the producer. You know, you're not only the engineer. You're the producer. Yeah, the I'm game. the producer, but he had 14 years. Yeah, and he had carte blanche. <laughs> the mic's on in <laughs> two his. rings before yeah. I even got there. So no, you didn't do a lot of that. It was, you know, it, it, actually, you come to understand when you start listening to other broadcasters that. Man, not everybody does that. Not everybody oh, has to do that. And it, it's again, it was great. It was something that we'll, we may never see again. I'm, I'm not saying never ever because oh, you'll some, never see it again. Team broadcaster days are done. They're done. I, you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, there's fear, very few guys that have that. You have the. You have to have the clout to the do clout it. to do it. Yeah. yeah. And and he had the clout. Forty six years will do that. Life can throw a lot at us, but through all the ups and downs, your financial future will be ever gentle on your mind with Western and Southern. From life insurance to investments, our one-on-one -on -one guidance is customized for your needs today and in the future. Western and Southern, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Visit westernsouthern.com slash rest assured to get started today. Ever smiling, never gentle on my mind. Products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial, Cincinnati, Ohio. You know, God love Joe. He'd be a fly ball to left, no center, right, Leonard left, center. And the names were not always correct. But that no. was the beauty of it, wasn't it? It was the beauty. Oh, well, one of the things with Joe was the star of the game because there was a couple times. And, and to his credit, he didn't know. You know, you go down and do the start of game, and he would ask the clubhouse guy for a – whether it be Rick for us or, or some whoever on the yeah. way stadiums – for certain players, I think he'd give them a list of like two or three guys. Can you get one of these guys to come out join star of the game? Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, these guys come out and you don't. And if they're Hispanic, you don't know if they speak English or not. And and I remember he did that before Luis Quin Luis Quinones was here. Yeah. In '90, but before that, he was with the Giants. And Joe had him on one day, and man, you're just—it's just like oh, it's like because he's he's not. You, he just doesn't speak good English. Yeah. It's really hard to do that. And you, it's, it takes a lot of courage for a player that it doesn't takes speak a lot of per courage. It does English to to do that. And, Still and, to this day. Yeah, and it's and I applaud those guys that come and do it no, and try no it doubt. because no it's doubt. tough to do. Yeah, no doubt. Um, one of my favorites, and I, I can't utter the phrase, but I think it was Tony Perez. Um, he asked him about a pitch that was thrown, and he threw me a. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's, I can't even think of a way to get around saying it. He, he threw me a, let's just say, a mid-body fastball. Yeah. <laughs> but it was another word that got out on the air. Which, uh, well, Joe, before before my time, and the reason I know this, because someplace I have the tape of it, and I also, you know, I'll get to that, but he was, they were doing an exhibition game in Indianapolis. Uh, it it might have been when they used to do kid glove games, or it might have been pre. It might have been like one yeah. before the season started. Go to Indianapolis, and he was doing an interview with somebody, and I believe he was talking to Joel Youngblood at the time. And now remember, this was all you're on a cassette tape, so you're talking. And Joe starts the interview, and somebody starts throwing rocks at him, pebbles oh, hitting him, no. hitting him, hitting him. And, and Joe says, "You," calls him a name, yells at him. Then he starts the interview again, and it was fine. He then got done with it. Well, he takes the tape back upstairs, and at that point, you would just hand it to the engineer. And it wasn't me because it was before me. 
and the engineer, you know, you'd start it by saying three, two, one. Well, Joe didn't bother to tell him there was a four, false start on this. So he queued it up and he played the three, two, one, rocks getting thrown at him and Joe yelling at this guy. <laughs> Joe got in trouble for that one. In fact, that years later at the WLW Transmitter, I found the letter that was sent from the club. Like we got a copy of the reprimand or something. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. But <laughs> man, that kind of stuff, you can't. Oh, yeah. What's it happens? Yeah. Oh, no. It happens all the time. What was the. Uh... Play a joke on Joe. It was some video or something that you put in the. I didn't do that. That was on the road, and Marty and the engineer on the road because I I only go to spring training. I don't travel during the season. Yeah. Had, you can guess what the video was, and so it's an adult video, yeah, right? Yeah, and and he hooked it up to Joe's monitor, so Joe's watching the game, and all of a sudden this comes on. <laughs> In the middle of the game. Now we did. Marty and I did that once, and this was back in the Marge Shot era. And remember when she was on sixty minutes? She, Unfortunately, okay. yes. Okay, she was yes. on sixty minutes. So that's a Sunday night. This is a Monday, and we're spring training game. We're wherever we are. And Marty and I, before the game, we planned this all out. He says, "Look, bring us back thirty seconds early." Just, just say stand by. We won't be on. We weren't on the air. Yeah. Stand by. So okay, this will be good. So you know, I go. All right, ten seconds. Stand by. Stand by. Point. Go. Marty Benneran back at you know Ed Smith Stadium. And Joe, Mrs. Shot was on sixty minutes last night. What'd you think about that interview? <laughs> Joe was holding a handheld mic. Because for some reason, those guys like to hold. They, they used, did, yeah. They used, he dropped it. You could hear it click on the table. It just went. <laughs> he put his hands across his chest, sat back, and didn't say a word. <laughs> and Marty let it go on for like, you know, 10 seconds or something. And then just burst out laughing. Because we got him and got him good. <laughs> and we were back on the air. Oh, see, I love he was like that. He was not a big fan of March. Just who Joe or yeah, Joe, Joe was it? Really? Joe was a fan of most people. Not a fan of March. Apparently eh? not, because he didn't want to talk about the episode on sixty minutes. Well, who did want to talk about that? It's like goodness gracious. Oh, even to this day. Even worse nowadays, but yeah. Uh you uh what do you got? Those stories written down? I just wrote down the idea. Yes, I love this. This guy came prepared. You have Dave to be prepared. Giddy arm Brewster. What do you got on there? Because, the, I mean, you, again, you you saw things. I mean, Marty and Joe were just a fabric of this community. So big for so long. And you got the, I mean, you got behind the scenes, Marty and Joe. The essence of Marty and Joe as people, as friends. Well, let's do the stuff in the booth. Because if you you were in that old, you were in this booth and you were in the old booth, yeah, Marty is a collector of stuff, and we had <laughs> stuff. This booth here at Great American, we had pictures taped to the wall. Every imaginable thing you could think of was just taped up there with Scotch tape. Yeah, to the point where I could not see right field because the window was completely covered, yes. and. 
there was just you <clears throat> name it, it was there. If somebody sent him a letter, there was there. <clears throat> oh if, yeah. If I made that wall a few times, you made that I, wall. I was it was like a badge of honor. It, it wasn't the most kind thing towards me, but, but you were on the wall. I was on the wall. Well, we had the same thing at Riverfront. We had all sorts of just stuff. Yeah. And then I don't, I don't know, I don't remember how it started, but I don't remember when we started talking about Elvis. So we just one day we're talking about Elvis. Yeah. And it goes on for a few days, and Marty decides, you know what, we need Elvis stuff. So he goes, so we're talking about. It. He goes, yeah. He goes on the air. If you have Elvis memorabilia, we're going to decorate our booth with it. Can't get it back because we're not sending it back. You, you, but send it here. And boy, we got a bunch of I stuff. Bet. We got photographs. The one, the famous one with Richard Nixon yeah. in the White House. We got the bust of Elvis. Yeah. We got Elvis Presley Boulevard. We got all sorts of stuff that we hung it all up in the booth. And the funny part is, is that Marty would open every day. He would open the booth. There was this cabinet in there he opened it pull all the stuff out and set it up we had a we had a trophy from julie isferding who you know famous runner here in cincinnati yeah. she won like the, one of the first reds races she won so she had the trophy so we right. took it and every night we put it up in the booth it was in sitting there so he gets the bust out sets the bust up on them and it's right between marty a and ceramic Joe. bust right? ceramic yeah. bust you know, we'd put glasses on it. He'd have to scarf on him and the whole bit. They even did something. Uh, Rich Wahlberg, who worked at LW for a while, we talked. He would nightly do an Elvis fun fact. Wasn't sponsored. He just did them. And I remember what, you know, it was goofy stuff. But I remember one particular one that Joe absolutely lost it. It was, it was Colonel Tom Parker and the Dancing Chickens. And the fun fact was... He would, Colonel Tom Parker would go out and have, you know, do this little sideshows like a carnival with these dancing chickens. The way he got the chickens to dance is they were on a hot plate. He covered it with straw, and then he turned the hot plate up so their feet would get hot, and they would dance. And Marty read that, and Joe about fell out of his chair. He thought it was the funniest thing he's ever heard. So we have this bust, and, you know, the team wasn't very good, and they're you know, trying to look for excuses. So they're telling Marty it's because of Elvis in the booth. We got to get rid of Elvis. That's the problem. You know, Marty, you don't, he'll fight back on that. Oh, yeah. Good, bad, or he's fighting back. So, no, we're not, you know, we're not taking the booth. If you're blaming it on the on an Elvis bus, you guys got problems kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So one day during batting practice, Joe Oliver takes a bucket of balls and he starts rifling them up to the booth. And he, it was an assassination attempt is what it was. And he, he hit Elvis and took a big chunk out of his shoulder and his backside. Right. And still to this day, that chunk is out of that thing. That's still the chunk. It never got fixed. That was Elvis. It was funny. And then Marge made you take it out, right? Didn't Marge? No, I think we just, uh, she didn't make us take that out. Really? No, I think we, yeah. It was, it, we just locked it up. Eventually, you know, you were, it's we were tired of hanging it up, honestly. Because <laughs> a lot of when, when when Riverfront shut down, I took some. It was still there. I took some of that home with yeah. me. I still have some of it. They should have taken that concrete booth somehow, some way, and preserved it. I took the door that had already hit all. This, I finally got rid of it. I could. I was walking around with this eighty-pound door 
that had that everything taped to it. All this yeah. crap from Marty. <laughs> That's the only bad thing. It was like this concrete monster. The booth was just like, everything was concrete with like a little table across, across a slab. So, But I actually liked... I actually like those booths. I actually like Riverfront a lot. I, yeah. It was, it got, it could get hot there. Yeah. And it could get cold there. But yeah. I still like No doubt. Yeah, I liked, you used to sit up above and yeah. used to be. Well, I sat Off next, to the. Yeah, I sat next, next to them. Next to them, yeah. And then, but you could sit behind them and still see a great view of the field. Right. And when they actually let me in that booth for the first time and I, I watched the game, it was surreal. I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm in here with Marty and Joe. And uh, they couldn't have been nicer, but I love that booth. You're right. I, I love Riverfront. I mean, you look back on it, it's a co- cookie-cutter stadium, and it had AstroTurf. And, but, you know, it was kind of our cookie-cutter. Right. I loved it. Yeah, I did, I too. I loved that place. I loved it a lot. Yeah. It's, but, man, gosh, you got to see uh, so much. What um, – <clears throat> when you – when Marty was retiring and he – the final day – you know, he got really emotional. And I knew the biggest emotion he showed was towards you when he brought you up. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, yes. It, I mean, it really was. And he started breaking down. And uh, that had to mean the world to you. It meant everything to me. Yeah. He, it, I love the guy. I mean, yeah. we've been together a long time. And he's he's done a lot for me. Um, you know, he, he's really helped my career. He's helped me out. Um, and just you, you, when you're around somebody, is all the joking that goes on. You learn a lot. You learn how to be professional for Marty Brenneman because he can. He turns that part off when he has to do a big play. Yeah, and that, and that is something that you you kind of learn just by being around him. How how you're supposed to act in certain situations, and especially in the ball. Not that I call play by play, but you understand what a big moment is. And he just did a lot for me, Jim. He was, I mean. I mean, I, I I remember him when my daughter was born, and it was she might have been a day old, and we took her up to the hot stove league to see him, and it's just been great. He's been wonderful. He's been wonderful to me. He's been wonderful to my family. Yeah. And and you know I can't thank the guy enough. I love. He gets a bad rap. Um, some of it is, you know, some of it's just the offset of how he was on the air and so critical. Um, but they think that he's this nasty guy off the air. But I kind of judge people how they treat kids. And oh. he is amazing around kids. I mean, amazing around kids. Amazing. Like, I am not that good around kids. Not that I don't want to be. I just don't I don't, ha- I don't have what I, the way I, I should have it. And he's amazing. And you really saw it when he got the haircut with the kids from the Dragonfly. Yeah, that was a touching moment yeah. that that I'll never forget. And then again, when they showed up on his retirement here, mm-hmm. how much he really had affection for him. I mean, they, it, it was he is he's great with kids. Honestly, he's great with everybody. I've never all those years, especially in spring training, when you're walking out because we come out of the booth and you're right in the middle of the stands. Right. He's never turned down an autograph. He's ne- now, there's been a couple times you said, I'll come back and do it. I have mm-hmm. to go be here. And he would. Right. And Joe was the same way. I mean, we'd walk back to the car, and it, it, some days it would take you 15 minutes to get to the car because people were stopping and asking for something. And yeah. he never he never said no. Pictures, autographs, it didn't matter. And you're right. With the kids, he's great. Yeah. Looking I, at that list there, 
Okay, you ready? I'm ready, man. What? Randy Macho Man Savage. Bit. We used to watch wrestling back, you know, when it was it was the Hawkster and and Macho Man and Jimmy Superfly Snooka and you name it. So they were on Saturday mornings and three other times during the week. They're wrestling on. And and Joe and Marty both watched it. And in fact, Marty I know went there several times and took his daughter yeah. Ashley to see wrestling at right. the Coliseum. Right. And you know, we had stuff in the booth too of that kind of stuff. We had a Hulk Hogan poster up in the booth. And so one day, Marty knows the guy. You know that, it, that I think it was the guy with the at that point the WWE. He says, "We're going to be in town. You you want to talk to Macho Man Randy Savage? Sure." And a little background, you know this, but Randy Savage actually played in the Reds minor league system. Yeah. Cardinals he, as well. And he played, <clears throat> I think he was roommates with Doug Flynn, because I know they're good friends, that he, Randy would go with Doug on, you know, eat dinner at his house or something. That I did not know. Yeah. I just found that and I out. I know Doug Flynn very well. I can't believe I just found that out a couple years ago, and Doug yeah. and I were talking about it. And so, yeah, we went macho, man. And, and <clears throat> the preface is everybody knew. Marge Schott's nephew, Steve Schott, he knew, despite what I'm going to tell you. John Browdy, who was the PR director then, he knew because he took the pictures. There's a picture of us three with Macho Man right. in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So Macho Man comes in. What we Here's what we didn't know. We didn't know he was good. We thought he'd come in in jeans and a T-shirt. He came in with his full regalia. You know, the feathers. For a radio the, interview. The, yeah, the tights, the whole thing. <laughs> And this was 1989, and it was, you know, Pete was just gone, and the whole, it was just a mess. And we're playing the Padres on a, I want to say it's a Wednesday afternoon. It was a day, getaway day. And he just comes, I don't, I don't know what inning, say it was the fifth. He just shows up, and he walks in the booth, the full regate. I'm dying because this guy, number one, he's great. He's bigger than life if you oh, watched yeah. it. it. He oh, was yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. So he comes down and they're talking, you know, and we, then we go on the air. Then he, as soon as we're on the air, man, the light switches on and he's, he's macho man. And he's talking, oh, yeah, 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 wrestling, the whole, the whole thing he does. He, at one point he goes, we'll get to another break. He goes, I need something to tear up. I said, well, there's that poster of Hulk Hogan. He take, rips it off the wall, rips it up, rips it out into the stands. Every, by this time, everybody's looking up there. Oh, yeah. They're watching. He's flexing. It became a big thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. At one point, I see Eric Davis. I look down. He comes out of the dugout, and he's flexing back up. <laughs> and it goes, I mean, it was he was probably there 15 minutes, and it was wonderful. It was, yeah. it was great on the air, and it was just fun to have him in there. A miserable season, right? Yeah. So... He leaves. Come to find out that Marge is sitting with Joan Crock, the owner of the Padres, in her suite. Yeah. Well, she doesn't like this. She does not like that this is happening. So she orders Steve, go find out what's happening. Now, Steve already knew what was happening. <laughs> so he comes. Steve shot. The Steve son. shot. Yeah. Uh, nephew. Nephew. Sorry. Yep. She comes in. Steve comes in. And after he's gone, and he goes, and, and this was like the because Joe had already left to go down to do start of the game. So it's just Marty and me. He walks in the booth. He looks at Marty. Mrs. Schott wants to see you in her office after the game. And he points to me and goes, you too. Me? What am I doing? I'm just a <laughs> schlep sitting here. <laughs> I just turned the mics on and off. Set up the equipment. 
So I know this is going to be good because you know Marty. So we get we go to Marge's office, and and Marty's sitting there, and I'm sitting there with Jim Ferguson, who's the PR director. John Brady was his assistant, so we're yeah. sitting there. I don't even know why I'm there. I'm sitting in the back with him, and Marge goes on, you know, I didn't like that, unprofessional, you shouldn't have him there, blah, 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 blah. And Steve says, yes, Mrs. Schott, I I went in and got him out, and if he wasn't going to move, I was going to have to physically remove him. And Marty says, shut up, Steve. If you you would have tried to physically remove him, he would have pinched your head off. And I'm like a little kid in school. I'm holding my mouth trying not to laugh. He tells the nephew of the owner to shut up. Uh, Well, I think Marge said the same thing, too. So we got called to the office, and then it was all good after that. But it was was one of the most memorable things I've ever witnessed. (laughs) Oh, he got called in the office a lot. Yeah, commissioner's office. Yeah, commissioner's office. <laughs> they wanted him suspended for that. What was that? The Dave Pallone. The Dave Pallone thing. And I oh. remember that because the day, you know, they got called to the office or to New York, had to go see him. And then the day he got back, um, he knew the media was going to want to talk to him. Yeah. So he came out and he went into the clubhouse and got, got some tape from Rick Stowe and covered his mouth with it. And walked out with his, it was like a, you know, it was a duct tape, but that's what it looked like. You know, it covered his mouth when he walks out so he wouldn't talk. It was on the, one of the papers took a picture of it. I was going to say there has to be a picture somewhere of that. It's it's, it's around. that is classic. He was a dandy when it came to stuff like that, man. (laughs) That's great. Um, You ever going to write a book? You probably aren't, are you? Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. A, I'm a really bad writer. I might be the world's poorest speller. Thank God for spell check. Well, you know they have these co-writers. Yeah, that basically. But most of the stuff that is really good story. Yeah, we can't tell. And you know that. I know. And I would never incriminate my friends. There are so many. I'm sitting here, ladies and gentlemen. This is full disclosure. I'm sitting here thinking, can I lead him there? Probably not. Can I? Tell that's probably, probably not because <laughs> you know what went on. Yeah, what I know. laughed a lot though, man. There yeah. was times, there was times I would go home, and this is a true story. I would go home and I'd be laying in bed. It all of a sudden I'd just start laughing, <laughs> and my wife would turn to me and say, "What? Let me guess. Something Marty said." <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was something Marty said, and usually it was the dumbest thing yeah. that if you weren't there. You wouldn't even think it was funny. Right. But if you're there, if you're in the moment with him, you would just absolutely die. (laughs) Yeah. The way he would beat you up and the way he would beat up Chris Welsh, I'm just surprised you didn't swing at him. (laughs) There were times that, a few times it was like real personal, he got under my skin. Or, but I again, you just like, bite that lip, gonna bite that lip, even, you know, even though I could, uh, yeah, I wanted to punch him. <laughs> I wanted to hit him. <laughs> but that went away. We had plenty of laughs. And again, as a kid that grew up loving Marty and Joe, I just... I, but you know yeah, why you loved him? Because when he retired, I thought about this a lot. And that is, Marty's one of the few guys who understood he wasn't in the baseball business. He's in the entertainment business. Yeah, no doubt. And for three hours a night, it was the Marty and Joe show. 
and they would come on and they would entertain you. Case in point, I still hear people talk, asked about Marty's tomatoes. Oh, Marty yeah. talked about tomatoes about five times in the mid the late 80s. Yeah. But, but that's the kind of stuff that people remember. Absolutely. I mean, they remember Tom Browning's the call on Tom Browning's perfect game. Yeah. But you, but you, you remember this stuff just as much yeah. because it was, it was, it was entertaining. It was right. what you did. It's the fabric of your life, kind of. Yeah. And the, he had that knack of man. You you listen to his calls, and they're so good and so spot on that you could he could entertain. You could have fluff here, and you could have this. It has nothing to do with the game, and he knew timing of when to do that. But when it was a moment. That needed to be called baseball moment, man. I'm not sure there's anyone better. No, and when you and when you listen to big calls, uh, and that's the one thing he taught me. When you listen to big calls, big calls, big moments, big moments, you have to timestamp them. Yeah. When something and Marty was so good at that, yeah. Browning's perfect game on this September 16th, 1988. Yeah. You know, he just laid it right out there, so it lives forever. Yep. It in. No doubt, uh, he he was he was absolutely the best at that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you uh, your life has been enriched, and it's still going. Oh yeah, I still talk to him. So do you. <laughs> yes. I see him quite often. As a matter well, of well, unfortunately, the most the communication that I get from him, we still talk a lot, but is mid game. It's a text, and it's usually starts with, "What the did you just say?" <laughs> <laughs> it usually starts with that. Or, you know, I'm sucking up to the players too much, which is basically my gig. Right. It's like I try to explain to him, like, Marty, you're, you're doing play-by-play. My job is to get stuff out of the players <laughs> and to humanize the players. That's what I do. I glorify them. I, you know, there's, I don't know how much I contribute to society with this, but that's my gig. <laughs> so he gets on me about it. I'm like, what do you want me to do? If you're getting on me about that, that must mean I'm good at what I'm doing. So thank you for and that. And you are. So there. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he was. He's crazy. And you know, it's it's some of the calls that aren't even a big thing that I remember. I mean, his starting lineup when he always says, oh. "If you're ready now." Yeah, if you're ready now. But I always liked to his right and left is whoever, to his left and right. I always yeah. I thought that was just the coolest phrase ever for yeah. whatever reason. You know, because it just came out so nat. because you, you can picture that. It's yeah. one of those things that you're sitting at home, yeah. oh, yeah, now I get it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. And, 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 and a lot of that stuff, because we had a long talk once about, because there was a, there was, a, he'll go nameless, but there was an announcer who asked Marty once about, Marty, what's your home run call? Oh, that was. I don't have a damn home run call, (laughs) because so many guys do. But that's what. But that's why he was so good. Because other than this one belongs to the Reds, which which honestly isn't part of the play by play. He didn't. He it was raw off the top of his head. Yeah, it's amazing to me. Oh, listen, the 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 Hank Aaron call in his first half inning in nineteen seventy four. You listen to it, and he's like, this guy's been in the booth for 10 years. It was unbelievable. The Ken Griffey Jr. has just knocked the door down to the 500 oh, home yeah. run club. Yeah. I, I could sit around for the next three days and not write that. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, no doubt. And it uh, it took a while for Junior to get there, too. That was <laughs> It was like the, the tour that, like, can we please just have him hit the home run? Uh, and Junior wanted him to be in that half inning, too. Right. 
And uh, Marty didn't like that. But he didn't he did like it. that, but he did it just uh, just because Junior wanted it. But man, and I, him and Junior had their moments too. Oh man! But they're like buds. Yeah. So it's all good. So, but yeah. Which uh, <laughs> the the famous line? <laughs> I don't think he'll mind me saying this. I think he said this on this podcast. I can't remember. I had him on. Goodness gracious, he's been on here like five times. He leads the league in <laughs> Jim Day podcast appearances because I just milked that cow while he was retiring. But he told Junior, I was here before you, and I'll be here long after you. Basically, I don't care what you say. <laughs> he was right. He was here long after. And then he said about three years ago, I can't say that anymore. No. I'm leaving. Yes. <laughs> Gone physically, but spiritually still around here. You are a beaut, my friend. It's been a pleasure being around you all these years. Thanks for putting up with me, too. We had some good times. We still have fun. Oh, yeah. That's the best part about this job. Yeah, there's no doubt we still have fun. There's laughs every day. And, folks, I I go in the radio booth nearly every day. It's just I have no reason to go in there. I just go in there. Just, just to laugh, just to hang out, and don't have thin skin. You can yeah. You better walk through that door. You better have some thick skin. I'll, this is the last thing I'll say about Marty. That was the best part because you and I heard all his lines and all his jokes a thousand times. My favorite part was when someone new came in and didn't wasn't expecting what was going on, <laughs> and he would kill him. And like, what did he just say? <laughs> Oh, you know what I've had a lot of laughs during this? My face hurts right now, which is a good sign when uh, <laughs> you provided me with a lot of laughs. And we're over an hour into this, Yid. Can you believe that? Time flies when you're having fun. It does. And we have a game to do tonight, so let's get at it. <laughs> let's get after it. I appreciate it, man. I'm going to have to have you back because I know there's some more stories in there. And uh, as the, the years goes on, years go on, um, just remembering that time was just... Uh, such a fabric of this community, Marty and Joe, and you uh, you were right there for it, man. It was fun. It was a great time. Great ride. That is, And the ride is still continuing on the Reds Radio Network. Yes. You can check out Yid on the pre- and post-game shows on the Reds Radio Network. Also, you got to give your, your Podcast. daily podcast yeah. a plug here because this is a very cool thing that you recap each and every game, the calls during the game where you kind of take us through and then you give uh, – Tommy or Cowboys calls, and it's yeah. a daily thing. So when you wake up in the morning, you can download that bad boy. And if you miss the game, you can get caught up right away. And it's not just one or two highlights. It's a bunch. Yeah. Whatever bunch was significant you, in the game. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job on that. And I would invite you. you to check that out. Where The best way for them to check that out is the reds.com slash podcast. There you go, reds.com slash podcast. And you can subscribe to it. And please check it out because uh, in this day and age, you can't. it's hard to listen to every game, every inning, get it. Totally get it, but this is a way to catch up and not miss a thing. So you're doing a great job on that. So invite everyone to check it out. All right, this has been a fun hour. Thanks for checking us out, folks. Again, you can uh, follow me on social media. You can harass me there at Jim Day TV on Twitter and Instagram. And thanks again for listening to the Jim Day podcast. And we will see you on down the road, everyone. And this one belongs to Yid. <laughs>